And there he goes. Coast to coast. Can he make it? Yes, he can. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into Green Dot Daily, Action Network's daily show. We come to you live at noon Eastern every weekday. You can find us, of course, where you found us now, the Action YouTube page, also over in the Action app. And we are also streaming live on Action Network HQ on Twitter. We are presented by BetMGM, a fully loaded program. We'll get to that momentarily in terms of what we are discussing today on the show, Green Dot Daily again presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code Action50 when signing up to get a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars. Terms and conditions apply. So we will get to Champions League soccer later on in the program with DJ Cunningham. Matt Moore has a play in the NBA tonight. Small slate, but Matt Moore from the Buckets podcast. He has a play for us. Samantha Praviti, she'll uh, jump in and talk fantasy football. Waiver wire pickups, a lot of bye weeks coming up. Important time of year to maintain stability in your fantasy leagues. And then Michael Leboff will be on as well to discuss the NHL. But first, let's bring in the gentleman who co-hosts the Favorites podcast, Chad Millman, Simon Hunter. They're here to discuss NFL Week 8. And fellas, we'll start with uh, some picks for this coming week. Simon, you're actually going to turn your attention to Thursday night and take a, a different approach because you get the hunch that a lot of love coming in on Baltimore because it ain't so great right now for Tommy and Tampa. But there's a different angle here to avoid what you think might be the public side. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it simple. Just keep riding this Ravens first half trend. We, we talked about it coming into the year. There's something going on with this Ravens team where they let teams back in the second half, but the first half, they usually always keep it close or at least win by three, right? So last week they were down to the Browns. I don't know. I think it was 13-6 or 10-6. Came back down the field, scored a last-second touchdown in the first half to, again, push the first half and hit it on the money line. I, I just got to keep riding the trend of the Ravens. So to me, right now, BetMGM, you can get it at minus a half. You can even get the money line if you choose at minus 115. That's just really great value against a Buccaneers team that it's going to be the trap of the week. Like, me and Chad are going to talk about on the show today. Flash, go back to last year on a Thursday night. What happened? Uh, the Ravens went down to Florida, played a Miami team that I think they had lost six straight at the time, were big favorites, got completely demolished by that uh, Miami team down there. So, we've seen the history with Lamar going down to Florida, his home state, just not performing well. Fishy line. Again, I make it minus three for the Ravens. It opened, I believe, at minus one, one of the maybe one, one and a half. Just been bouncing in between there. I'll stay away from that, right? Just because we've seen what's happened. The Ravens letting teams back into it. I'll just keep riding the trend of Lamar first half. He's just an animal. Take that first half spread. Okay, we'll see what Gus Edwards looks like in the running game for Baltimore. But, yeah, nothing encouraging from Tampa, at least starting these games. At least they have been able to score some points later on. Not many, but, yeah, <laughs> the starts to these games haven't been very good for Tampa. So I, I would imagine that's another angle, too. Yeah, exactly. Again, they they've trailed out of five out of seven games in the first half this season. They just the games they have led, I believe, it was Carolina, and then Week One when Dak got hurt. So mm-hmm. they just haven't performed well against a lot of these different teams. Yep, fair enough. And this feels like the most desperate for a full game perspective. This is the most desperate Tampa's been since Brady arrived a couple years ago. Chad, what do you want for Week Eight? You're looking ahead to Sunday. Yeah, listen. What's the grossest thing you can think about right now when it comes to betting Week Eight? The Detroit 
Lions coming off back-to-back ugly, ugly games. I think people really thought they would perform better against the Cowboys this past weekend as big underdogs. They were going to be on a faster track playing in Dallas. People were excited to see them bounce back from getting blown out the week before. And they just looked freaking terrible, right? And so what do you do? You go back the Lions as three-and-a-half-point home underdogs this week against a Miami team that just won in prime time and people think is coming back because of Tua. This is a buy-low, sell-high situation on the Lions. You've got them back at home. You've got them where they're comfortable, what their offense is designed to play on, indoors, on that surface. A great offensive line. Amon Ross St. Brown already reports that he is expected to be back. We are hopeful DeAndre Swift is back. This is Dan Campbell coaching for his three teeth, half a butt cheek, biting kneecaps life right now. This is when you back the Detroit Lions. Wow. So is your plan this week to watch hard knocks reruns to get yourself fired up for this or what, what, what will it take for you to remain sane throughout the week? I don't, I don't need hard knocks reruns to get fired up about Dan Campbell. Those memories live in my head forever. When I get up in the morning, I'm thinking about what is Dan Campbell going to say to me to get me motivated. I don't need the reruns. I'm just going to think about Dan Campbell and then I'm going to watch the game. If this guy gets fired, I'm going to be so upset. I love living in a Dan Campbell as head coach universe. I don't want to go to a place where next season Dan Campbell is on the sidelines as a tight ends coach or a special teams coach or some positional coach. I want Dan Campbell coaching NFL football from as a head coach. Well, Chad is fading the public because looking at the action app now, 91% of the bets, 84% of the money on Miami minus three for this game. So, but you so let me add one, Brennan, let me add one more thing. I apologize. Sure. In this spot where you're talking about fading the public and teams off of uh, bad losses since 2005, they covered a 61% clip. There you go. Very good. All right. So that's for this week. But at this point in the season now going to week eight, of course, there's the additional 17th game for the second straight year, but we're pretty much at the midway point of the season. So we thought it was a good idea to get the guys uh, interest in the futures market and maybe hop in on something before a potential bye week or just because you got a better feel for what we've seen this season. We kind of understand who teams are at this point. Simon, what's a future that you might be on now in this 2022 season? I try to bet off public perception. And again, it's the fact that the public doesn't realize how long of a season this really is, right? Again, we still have, what, 10 more games to go for each team. Most of these teams are sitting at seven games played. We know there's 18 weeks in the season. It's just a lot of football. So what I look for is teams that have the pieces on offense, have the pieces on defense, and then schedule, remaining schedule, try to put together an undervalued team and try to project out what their record could be. So I looked at this team I'm about to talk about, Las Vegas Raiders. I look at a team that I think they could be 10-7, and 9-8 and eight in uh, AFC. That That's what it really is going to take for me get the seventh seed, get that wild card. And I go and check online. I see there are a lot of books that are plus 350. Now they've come down to plus 310, plus 300 to make the playoffs. I still think there's value there. Because again, I'm thinking, what are the Broncos right now? They just look like a complete dumpster fire and they're falling apart. Same with the Chargers. Chargers every week add new guys to the injury report. So I'm looking at that division. That right there is a big deal because they're, they're about to, they're going to start playing those teams more often as the season goes along here. And they end the year playing against the Chiefs, which again, they probably should have beat the Chiefs, but the fact they play them in the final week of the season is a huge advantage to me, to the Raiders, right? We assume by then the Chiefs will have it wrapped up, or if they don't have the one seed wrapped up, 
they'll be resting because they know they have to play the following week and they'll use that final week as a bye week. So again, I give them a free one there. So sitting at two and four when they probably should be four and two, right? They lost that Cardinals game. They lost that Chiefs game. Again, I just I'm buying low on our Vegas team that is ranked right now seventh offense in efficiency, right? They've just been moving the ball, running the ball well. We've seen Devontae Adams really get comfortable in this offense. I just like it all. I just like the pieces they have there. So to me, in a, a, a division that's reeling right now with the Chargers and the Raiders, and the only really good team in it's the Chiefs, and they don't need to see them again again to the last week of the season. That's just good value if you can get a plus 300 or above right now for the Raiders to make the playoffs. So what jumps out to me, too, is of all their losses, they've all been within one score. They've been exactly. in all of their games, right? So compared to other teams that might be two and four or even three and four through seven weeks of the year. So good look. And the Raiders, just when August ended before the season began, they were plus 130 to make the playoffs. So you're getting a, a better number at this point. Maybe they've sorted out some things after a buy and then a win against Houston. Chad, where are you looking on the futures market in entering week eight? All right. So full disclosure, my twinsy, my Action Network hoodie twinsy brother, Simon, got into the script before I did. Maybe he showed up to the production meeting. I don't know. But he got the Raiders when I would have liked the Raiders. I thought about Seattle to win the NFC West because they do have probably the second best quarterback in the NFC right now. And then I decided to go with the first best quarterback in the NFC, Jalen Hurts, to win MVP. Look, I know you could have had him at 50 to one before the season started. It's now down to about five to one. But the two people ahead of him right now, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, those guys are going to be fighting it out in really challenging games in their conference. The Eagles don't play anybody with a winning record until the first week of December, and that's Tennessee. And by then, Tennessee might have a losing record. So really, you're not talking about a ton of competition for a team that is already undefeated, that is playing an offense that caters perfectly to Jalen Hurts' skill set. So if I can't have the Raiders, which I love, I will take Jalen Hurts at 5-1. to one. Okay, good stuff. I mean, yeah, the schedule is its unbelievable what the Eagles have. And even some of their, their tougher games against tougher quarterbacks, they're all at home. Like that Titans team is feisty home game green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. That's a home game. The Colts are a mess. I mean, you just, you can't help but look down their schedule and go, how do they not win at least 13 games? So are you denigrating Sam Ellinger on this show right now? Are you, are you saying the Colts are a mess because they're starting a second year quarterback drafted in the sixth round? That's crazy. (laughs) Crazy talk fellas. Thanks for stopping by. Really appreciate it. You can check these guys out. The favorites podcast is every Wednesday and Friday morning, wherever you listen to your podcast or catch favorites live a day earlier on AMP. Just download the free AMP app now and follow the favorites to join the fun live every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, brother. Okay, we'll talk to you guys Thanks soon. so much to Chad and Simon for their insight. Now turning our attention to the association, just a four-game slate tonight in the NBA. Our own Matt Moore, you can catch him on the Buckets podcast five days a week, by the way. Buckets covers you with the NBA, all betting angles in the NBA. Matt Moore is going to pick for tonight. Let's go to Matt now. I've got Pelicans plus 158. So look, Zion Williamson is questionable for tomorrow night. I think there's a chance that he plays. Brandon Ingram is not going to play. He's got he's in concussion protocol, so he's not going to play in this game. Um, Ingram's obviously like a really valuable player. Honestly, here's the thing. I think the Mavericks are a team that 
when they're going to be in a good spot, they're going to be great. I love the spot for them on Saturday versus the Grizzlies. Grizzlies coming off of an overtime uh, or a comeback win versus the Rockets. It really, they, they, it took a lot out of them to get back into that game. They always met Adley with Dallas. They were on a back-to-back. Like everything was perfect for that Dallas game. And that one came through. This is the game after. This is a Pelicans team that plays really physical. This is a Pelicans team that's got some defenders on the floor to, to throw at Luka. I think they can get downhill. They do have shooting with CJ McCollum and company. It's enough to get me on the money line. This is another one where I, I put this, I put the spread on this game based off of uh, adjusted early season power rating uh, at only two. And so I'm getting 40 cents here on the advantage here at 158 uh, on the money line, plus 40 cents or more. So depending on where you can get it. So I like the Pelicans at home uh, plus 158 as my best bet. Okay, turning our attention to Champions League Soccer, Real Madrid atop Gruep with Leipzig uh, right behind them. Then in Group G, Man City. Better not sleep on an improved Dortmund team who just turned in a nice performance. 60, or rather 90-minute performance. Yeah, 60 is not enough. 90, nice performance by Dortmund, and they are still seeking uh, to climb in the standings over in Group G. Let's welcome in BJ Cunningham, who covers a variety of sports over at Action Network, does a great job covering soccer, more specifically Champions League. BJ, a couple of uh, matches you want to focus on later this afternoon. But yeah, this Dortmund team, I mean, it feels like they're, they're heading in the right direction uh, defensively, but they've also got to get some more leadership down the road. And I think a lot of times in that sport, right, is experience uh, certainly helps. But you've got an angle on Dortmund playing later today against Man City. Yeah, I do like under three goals at plus 105. You know, when these two teams met the last time, it was actually a pretty low event game despite three goals being scored. You know, Dortmund put in probably one of the more impressive defensive performances against Manchester City. They held them to 0.9 expected goals on 14 shots and 33 touches in their penalty area. So City was able to get in there. They just weren't able to create anything of quality. The flip side of that coin, though, is that Dortmund did absolutely nothing offensively. They had one shot up until the 50th minute. City had a field tilt of 84%. They basically just pinned Dortmund in their own final third. And Dortmund, the problem is how you get at the City team is you need guys who are, who are quick and can get in behind City's back line. Right now, Dortmund has Anthony Modesta at striker. He's a, a big striker who plays well in the air. He's not too fast getting in behind defenses. So uh, they don't really have the type of offense that really can threaten City's back line. Uh, and flip side is as Dortmund, you know, last, if you look last year to this year, you know, their expected goals allowed is about the same, but against good opponents, they've actually performed much better last season when they've played Ajax, RB Leipzig, Bayern Munich and Leverkusen, they allowed 1.7 expected goals per match. Well, this season they've played Bayern, they've played RB Leipzig, they've played Leverkusen and they've obviously, obviously played Manchester city and they've only allowed 5.3 expected goals in those four matches. And they've held both Bayern Munich and City under one expected goal. So the defense is well improved now. They have Nicholas Sule and Nicholas Schlotterbach back there on the back line. So I'm thinking we're going to have another low event type match here. Um, Dortmund, there's some weird game theory stuff going on here. Dortmund is, is in second place and they're five points behind City. A draw confirms that they'll be in the round of 16 because they have the tiebreaker over Sevilla and they all they would need is a draw against Copenhagen on the road if Copenhagen were to beat Sevilla today. If they try to go for this and they end up losing, they open the door for the final day where City has already clinched the group. They're playing a bunch of backups against Sevilla where Sevilla can actually maybe actually beat City. 
And then Dorbin has to get a result against Copenhagen. So, and the flip side of that is City all they need is a draw and they've won the group. So I'm not so sure that these teams are going to be that aggressive and trying to go for this thing. So I think we're going to see these guys maybe just pass the ball around quite a bit and have it be low event like last time. So I do think there is some value on under three goals at plus 105. Okay. And there's urgency too, BJ, over in group F. We talked about first place, second place a moment ago in group G. Same case, Real Madrid atop group F with Leipzig right behind them. Um, the key here is, is the line movement. Looking at BetMGM now, Real Madrid at plus 180, uh, Leipzig at plus 138. But what jumped out to you in terms of trying to find an angle on how to, to bet this match is the line has com- completely crashed. Why don't you elaborate for us? Right. And well, the reason it's crashed and what we get a lot of these times, especially in, in the world of soccer, is what we call motivation lines, especially in the Champions League here. So Real Madrid, all they need is a draw and they've won the group. Leipzig is all in must. They have to win this. So what you see is that lines tend to get inflated towards that. Now, I don't really know who Real Madrid is going to play today. They could play a bunch of backups. And that's why I'm recommending everybody wait until lineups come out. Make sure guys like Kareem Benzema, Nisus Jr., Chumeni, you know, some of their main guys are actually in the lineup. But the reality is here is that Real Madrid should not be an underdog to RB Leipzig. I mean, Leipzig is having a weird season. Uh, they have not been that good in the Bundesliga. Um, they're sitting in around seventh or eighth place. They have underperformed. But the reality is, is they're a plus 0.65 actually differential per 90 team right now in the Bundesliga. Real Madrid is plus 1.1 in La Liga. La Liga gets a significant jump by UEFA coefficients because it's just a much more difficult league than the Bundesliga is. So if Real, and the, the biggest thing with RB Leipzig as well is tradition, historically over the last three or four years, they've changed a bunch of managers, but it, the same problems continue to exist. They are horrible in transition defense. And what Real Madrid does better than anybody is sit back and counter teams with guys like Vinicius Jr., Kareem Benzema, and Rodrigo. So um, I'm not so sure that Real Madrid should be an underdog if they're playing a full-strength lineup and Real, and RB Leipzig is going to play incredibly open. So um, a bet I like, uh, you know, to, to hedge some risk, and it's it's a bet that I know my friend Anthony DeBundo does a lot, and I'm going to take a page out of his playbook. It's a plus 0.25, which means you're basically splitting Real Madrid on the pick line and at plus half a goal. So if they draw the match, you'll get half your bet, and if they win it, you'll get both. And if obviously if they lose, you lose both. So Real Madrid plus 0.25, which is currently sitting at minus 125. All right, very good. But you're also suggesting – if you want to go yeah. a different direction, you got to wait it out a bit. You have to wait for lineups here because Real Madrid, I mean, I, I know they only need a draw. Um, it's not really a look-ahead spot for them either. I mean, Leipzig does have Leverkusen on deck in the Bundesliga, which is a big match for them, although they would take the Champions League much more seriously than that match. So um, the reality is, is for Leipzig, it's, it's all going to come down to the final thing. It's Shakhtar, no matter really what happens in this match. Okay. So he likes Dortmund, Man City, likes under three goals, and then – with the suggestion of waiting just to, just a bit uh, later this afternoon, Leipzig versus Real Madrid. He likes Real Madrid getting uh, plus 0.25. So, and way to give Debundo some credit there. Of course, it, it, I mean, I couldn't, I could not make this bet without giving him credit. He would, he would be all over me. That a boy. All <laughs> right, BJ Cunningham, thanks so much for stopping by Green Dot Daily. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Oh, well, we have a bone to pick with BJ. We'll get to that in a moment. Hockey season now, two weeks old. Some teams, they've established they are forces to be reckoned with. Others looking up from the bottom of the barrel, sort of. We'll give the Blue Jacks, Blue Jackets a little bit of credit. Uh, we welcome in now Michael Leboff, who covers the NHL 
and he contributes to our soccer coverage at Action Network. Are, are you okay? That was a slight. I, I guess I take some of the blame too. I should have mentioned you, but BJ didn't bring you up. Yeah, I don't know what that was about BJ. Him and I are usually aligned. We we both like Celtic today. He convinced me about that bet on Celtic that he gave out on our Wonder Goal podcast and just left me in the dust. So yeah, I'll have a bone to pick with BJ. And as a true Iowa man, he will be apologizing probably for the next what three months to me for it. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, Lebov, thanks for stopping by Green Dot Daily. Uh, a lot of games in the NHL today. We have 10 games to look at. But again, as we highlighted on that graphic a moment ago, we've got some teams that are rolling here in Pittsburgh and Calgary, and then Arizona and Columbus. We'll get to those two teams that are sort of, uh, they're trying to get themselves out of the basement. But looking at Pittsburgh, taking on Calgary, Pittsburgh 4-1-1, one, one, Calgary 4-1, Looking at the action app, Calgary's getting all the love. All the all the bets are on Calgary. All the money's coming in on Calgary. You're going to go the other way. Yeah, and our uh, line change podcast, which you can listen to on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my co-hosts and I, Nick Martin, we talked about how Pittsburgh was, uh, or Calgary was going to take the money in this matchup because Pittsburgh played last night. They played against Edmonton. It was a tough game. They got doubled up by the Oilers. Uh, but you're going to that means you're going to get a better number on the Penguins. So just sit back and wait. And now it's a plus one fifty. The Penguins are their veteran team. I'm not worried about the spot for them. They've got guys like Crosby, Latang, Malkin. Like these guys know how to pace themselves through an NHL season, through through an Alberta two-step, if you will. Uh, and while the, the Flames are really good and, and I make them the second best team in the entire NHL, the Penguins are not that far behind on them right now. Uh, do I think that that is going to last whole season? Maybe not because of their age profile. But right now when the Penguins are cooking, they cook and their five on five metrics are among the best in the league. They should be able to tilt the ice against a really deep Calgary team. They're one of the teams that can kind of keep, compete with Calgary down the middle of the ice. So this, this match, sure. Calgary should be favored. They should, the spot is very uh, advantageous to them. We see this all the time in the NHL when a team is waiting for a team at home while the other team is playing a back to back, they usually do pretty well. Uh, but this line has just got too far. It's, it's closer to plus you know one thirty for me. So I, I really like the value on Pittsburgh here. Uh, plus 150 on the road against the Flames. Okay, very good. Any concerns like lineup wise with Pittsburgh, like because it's the second night of a back to back? Or is we knew they were going to play their backup goalie, Casey to Smith. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a believer in their their starting goalie, Tristan Jerry. So a lot of times we'll see overreactions to certain goaltenders. There are some where, like, you know, if you're talking about Andre Vasilevsky of the Lightning and his backup, Brian Elliott, when the market moves, it's warranted. But mm-hmm. between the Smith and Jerry, to me, not, not something that should warrant a 20 cent move or, or whatever we've seen. So, Nothing, nothing too, too uh, concerning with Pittsburgh. Uh, I do think that uh, even we've, we've shown or we've seen out of this team in the past that even when they drop bodies or in bad spots, like Mike Sullivan's such a good coach, he gets them up. So uh, I really think that they can turn this into a coin flip. Okay. Let's look over now at the uh, Arizona Coyotes and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Once again, we've got two teams, uh, one team from the West, one from the East. You're already, you're already smiling. Um, <laughs> but like the Blue Jackets, they're three and four. There are a lot of teams that have just three wins in the East. So they're not quite bottom of the barrel, but in this case, you actually like Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the Coyotes. They have every chance to be one of the worst teams we've seen in the salary cap era in the NHL. But that even if you're going to do that, you're still going to rack up you know, 45, 48 points. I think 48 is the record from the Colorado oh. Avalanche about a decade ago. So you're going to win games. And if you pick your spots with this team, you're going to get paid off. And that, and like you said, the, the, the blue jacket shirt three and four, but their defense is yeah. leaky. They don't have the goaltending to cover it up. 
And Patrick Laine, it looks like he might play. So they, they have a little bit more offense to maybe paper over some of the mistakes, but this will be his first game back after shoulder injury. If he, if he does go his, his uh, timetable was for a lot longer than this. So I'm a little skeptical. Uh, and if you have a bad defense, that kind of negates the advantage you usually have over Arizona, which is they can't score. So I like the Coyotes here. You, you, and you can look at it one one of two ways. Are you betting on the Coyotes or are you betting against the Blue Jackets? And I'm betting against the Blue Jackets. I don't think they should be minus you know 220 against anybody. So uh, yeah, it's a, this is a disgusting, terrible bet. I would almost advise you, you know, if you're going to do it, don't watch this game. Uh, but it's Coyotes, man. And uh, I love this team. 27 goals allowed by Columbus in seven games. That is the and they're three 27 and four. goals, the most allowed of any team in the Eastern conference right now. Yeah. And they're three and four somehow. Uh, so yeah, this, the door should be open for Arizona here. So, uh, you know, go coyotes, please. Okay. 70% of the bets looking at the action app right now, 70% of the bets coming in on Columbus, 59%, uh, 70% of the money, 59% of the bets coming in on Columbus. So once again, you're, you're fading the public, uh, over in the uh, National Hockey League. Yeah, I don't think there are too many, you know, salient people out there spending their time betting on the Coyotes, so it makes sense to me. Okay, if you're looking forward to Leboff's analysis as well as the rest of the crew, check out the Line Change podcast. You can catch those guys Mondays and Wednesdays throughout the hockey season. They will get you covered, and they will provide analysis on any hockey slate going forward. Go Coyotes. And we're now joined by Samantha Praviti, who covers fantasy football with Action Network. Samantha, how about that Panthers backfield from over the weekend? They not only as a team stun the Buccaneers, they hold the offense in check, but offensively for Carolina, they piece it together in their first game without Christian McCaffrey. What were your takeaways from seeing Hubbard and Foreman split the reps and put together sort of a passable game plan? Yeah, is it me or are the Panthers doing this tanking thing completely wrong? I thought they were in the midst of this early season fire sale after trading both Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey, parting ways with their head coach and DC. They ended up trouncing the Buccaneers. Much of their production came on the ground thanks to that committee that you mentioned. It was reported after the CMC trade that Foreman would lead the Panthers backfield. But on Sunday morning, Hubbard was listed as the starter. So I was a little confused by that. Foreman ended up being having the slightly better day for fantasy was the RB 13 and half PPR while Hubbard was the RB 16. Foreman outtouched Hubbard 17 to 11 and outsnapped him 27 to 23. So he had the slight edge in both of those categories. Uh, all of this is pretty impressive considering they were going up against the Bucks defense, which ranks fifth in defensive DVOA. Both guys are under 50% rostered in Yahoo leagues, so you may be able to nab one of them off of waivers in this cycle. Moving forward, I do expect this to be a committee. I think I would temper expectations for both, though, because I don't think anyone, including myself, predicted that the Panthers would be up for that entire game. They'd be able to just put things into speed, uh, into cruise control. I bet that they are going to be, you know, underdogs for a lot of games coming up this year. Uh, if I had to pick one, though, I would have a slight lean towards Foreman. He stepped up last season for the Titans when Derrick Henry went down uh, and was the RB eight and half PPR after Tennessee's week 13 buy. So both uh, guys are worth adding based on volume and matchups. Carolina does face Atlanta twice in the next two weeks. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out, especially with the trading deadline the following week. I'm not saying Carolina is going to get the Christian McCaffrey package for one of these guys, but maybe if someone's willing to get silly 
and give up something to get some running back depth. We just saw the Jets do it. Go get James Robinson. That was a conditional pick. Not all that much to give up, but if a team that's contending wants to give Carolina some draft capital, maybe they'll invest. But you said it. You think it remains a committee. Do you at all think, though, they got the Falcons twice over the next three, a a reputable Bengals defense? Could this just be a week-to-week thing where Carolina looks at it and says, we're going to utilize whichever running back we feel best? I mean, they both ran similar uh, routes as well in the passing game. You mentioned the snap count, but even the routes in the passing game were similar. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a headache. Like I said, I think it's it's going to be lower volume than last week, just because I don't think that the game scripts will favor the run that much. So I'm going to expect that, you know, in the right matchups, they'll be kind of fringe running back threes. So it's more of like a depth add. If you really do need someone, you need someone in a bye week, for instance, I I feel fine starting them, for instance, against Atlanta, but not. I don't think that they're like rest of season heroes, like a Kenneth Walker, for instance. Like they're not going to save your fantasy team. Fair enough. So bench depth is always important this time of year with bye weeks and injuries and players being traded, as we just discussed. But also in, in relation to that, that means going to the waiver wire and finding the right people to bolster your lineup or to fill the gaps when necessary. And you're eyeing, we'll talk about a couple now on the waiver market. You're going to start with a quarterback that might finally start deserving appropriate attention based on his team's record and what he's been able to do fantasy-wise. Absolutely. So we have four teams returning from by, two teams coming on by in week eight. So you will need to find replacements for guys like Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey. You probably can't replace Mahomes with the stragglers on the waiver wire, but let me help you do maybe the best of the next best thing. So I want you to pick up Daniel Jones, who is out there in 70% of Yahoo leagues. Danny Dimes just had his best game of the season, locking 202 yards in a touchdown through the air. And then another 107 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He was the QB three, actually one spot ahead of Patrick Mahomes. The dual threat is actually averaging just shy of 50 rushing yards per game, which gives him a super high floor for fantasy purposes. This week, he's going up against the Seahawks defense that has allowed the 11th most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. So I really like him as a bye week fill-in. Next, I want you to pick up yet another giant, Wandale Robinson, who is out there in almost three quarters of leagues. Honestly, I wasn't super impressed with this pick back when the G-men were in the draft, but no one on this Giants receiving court seems to be able to stay healthy. We've got Sterling Shepard out for the season with a torn ACL. Kadarius Toney, who actually may be on the trading block, dealing with a hamstring injury and hasn't played since week two. Kenny Galladay, who the Giants are paying $72 million to sit around, never seems to be active and hasn't played since week four due to a knee injury. So Robinson and Darius Slayton appear to be the kind of the last men standing. Robinson now has nine catches for 87 yards and a touchdown over the last couple games played a season high 69% of snaps last week. So I like his chances to fall into the wide receiver three territory against the Seahawks in week eight. And then last but not least, I if he's out there, I want you to pick up uh, Gus Edwards. Gus Bus is everything we hoped Kenyon Drake would be last week. He returned from a torn ACL he suffered in training camp last season and absolutely carved up the Cleveland run defense like a Thanksgiving turkey. He, is, he was uh, the team's RB1 with J.K. Dobbins 
yards on IR, six carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Drake, meanwhile, was a complete dud. 11 carries for five yards. I want you to do that math in your head for the yards per carry there. Uh, uh, Edwards will definitely end up being highly valuable, though, while Dobbins is on injured reserve, presumably with Drake backing him up. I would not hesitate to put in a premium waiver bid on Edwards, who should offer RB2 upside in the next few weeks. His value could be even long term, honestly, with Dobbins injury history. So he's got the Bucks and Saints on deck. They, that sounds like tough matchups, but honestly, they've been looking a little bit more exploitable recently. So uh, I think that he could be a plug and play option uh, before the Ravens week 10 buy. Fair enough. Hate the Drake. And yeah, let's get Gus bus rolling, please, because there's just so much potential with that nickname going forward. <laughs> Samantha Praviti covers fantasy football for Action Network. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Whole lot to unpack from today's Green Dot Daily. Let's recap the picks from the show. Here is the final bet slip starting off the show today. The Favorites podcast stopped by. Simon Hunter, he likes Baltimore in the first half. Thinks that's a front-running squad. He likes Baltimore to cover minus half a point. You can find a minus one, but of course the minus half point will take that. Likes him on the money line as well. Chad Millman's on Detroit, fading the public on Miami this week. That game, of course, on Sunday, and they're also in on the futures market. Matt Moore's going to the NBA on the Pelicans. He sees value there against Dallas. Good insight from B.J. Cunningham in Champions League soccer. And then Michael Leboff, he's also fading the public today, taking two teams that the public is uh, going against. So he likes Pittsburgh and Arizona. Pittsburgh, of course, taking on Calgary, and Arizona faces Columbus. So good stuff from our analysts today deciding to go against the grain a bit and find some value uh, in the landscape of sports. Again, want to remind all of you that Green Dot Daily is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION50 when signing up to get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to everyone who joined us today on the show and also all of you for checking us out. Green Dot Daily is every weekday at noon Eastern. Of course, you found us today wherever you did, but also we are available on the Action app, the Action Network YouTube page, and streaming live on Action Network HQ Twitter. Thanks to all of our crew as well. Behind the scenes, I'm Brendan Glasheen. We'll catch you again tomorrow at noon Eastern. See you later.